Hello, and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast. My name is Robin Birkin. I'm from sunny Western Australia, uh, and I am a fellow fertility warrior. I have a beautiful little girl called Chloe, who is a rainbow ixie baby, and I have another one on the way, uh, which has come from a frozen embryo transfer. I am here producing this podcast because I know what it feels like. I know that shitty feeling when everybody around you is falling pregnant and people are coming up to you saying stupid things like, you just need to relax. Why don't you take a holiday? What if you took a break? Uh, I know a friend of a friend of someone who adopted and then had a baby. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be at rock bottom. I know what it feels like to want to do whatever you can in your power to fall pregnant and to just make it happen as soon as possible. So that's why I do what I do. I have the blog Modern Day Misses. So Modern Day and Misses as in like wife, M-I-S-S-U-S dot com. And we also have a private Facebook group and we welcome all warriors there. Uh, and that is called Fertility Warriors Support and Chat Group on Facebook. Um, so if you would like a bit of extra support, if you'd like to join the sisterhood, our little tribe, then feel free to come and join us uh, on Facebook. And I try to always drop in there and I try to respond to most comments that people make there as well. Um, so we have a lot of comments uh, in the group of people saying, I don't know what to do, what more can I do? And people wanting to do more to fall pregnant. And I can certainly give advice. I think these days, you know, I've spoken to a lot of experts, I've devoured books, I've spoken to a lot of people who are trying to fall pregnant. But it sometimes helps when there's somebody who actually does it for a living who can give us a little bit of advice. So today on the show, I have Gabriella Rosa. Gabriella Rosa comes from the eastern states uh, of Australia. She's a naturopath, but she also has other qualifications uh, in reproductive medicine, and she's been doing this for a long time. Um, She runs a clinic, so people can sign up to sort of be clients and receive personalized advice. And I'm, you all know if you've been listening to this, that I really am a big fan of naturopaths because they try to look at things from a wellness perspective, not necessarily a sickness perspective. And sometimes they're a little bit more proactive with getting like tests that uh, are not necessarily the mainstream tests or making sure that you've got all the tests. And I'm a big fan of having a team of people looking after your fertility rather than just relying on one person, which is a GP or an OBGYN or a fertility specialist who are all rock stars, don't get me wrong, uh, but a naturopath just looks at things from a different angle. And if you can get pregnant sooner and overall with less cost, then I think that's a fabulous thing. Gabriella's um, consulting uh, business is pretty exclusive. I don't think they take everybody who signs up, and that's probably a testament to some of the great results they have. If you ever look on Facebook, uh, they have so many testimonials. But one of the reasons why I thought I'd have Gabriella on this show is because she also has a free 14-day challenge uh, that anyone can sign up to. The next one launches in January, as you'll hear in the podcast, and she talks about some of the things that she talks about in this challenge, but it's a 14-day challenge, and it kind of goes through the key things that you can do from a diet and a lifestyle perspective 
that might be affecting and can improve your fertility and your success rates uh, and things like that. So I definitely think it's worth a listen and definitely think it's worth signing up to the 14 day challenge, even though, you know, I've already been through it. As you all know, uh, this is like my hobby these days. So I'll be signing up to the challenge as well. Um, so if anyone out there wants to sign up to the challenge, then I'll definitely link to the link to how to get there in our show notes. Um, and so, yeah, so you can sign up to the challenge. It's free. That's why I thought I'd have Gabriella on the show because I'm here to do whatever I can that is helpful for all of the fertility warriors out there. And I think that this would be a super helpful challenge that comes from someone who is in the know, who does this, uh, who studies this, who sees it every day. Uh, so that's Gabriella. You can also find her on her website or her Facebook page, and that's called Natural Fertility Breakthrough. One of the things I've also noticed uh, about Gabriella's site is they don't by all means exclusively do this, but they do work with women who are a bit older. So I'm talking like late 30s, early 40s, uh, which a lot of us seem to be these days and obviously time ticks on. So I do think uh, it's worth checking out. Uh, it's a free challenge, as I say. In this podcast, Gabriella and I talk about lots of things. We talk about um, supplements and shakes. We're talking about, about some of the tests and some of the things that people can do uh, in their diets uh, and all of that. And I've called the title of this, Help, I'm Not Falling Pregnant, because I think that if you were to take that 14-day challenge, that might be the place that you're at, and that might be a really, some really useful advice that you can take on board and implement. So enough of me, uh, let's uh, welcome Gabriella to the show and hear what she has to say. Okay, Gabriella, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Um, now, you've been helping women get pregnant for quite some time and I've looked at your bio. You've got a pretty big list of credentials. Are you able to tell me just a little bit about yourself and what it is specifically that you do? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. So, look, my background, I was originally trained as a naturopath and, you know, obviously the self-care aspects that we talk about in, in that whole naturopathic medicine realm of the world is very much the basis or foundation of what I do. And I also have a master's in reproductive medicine and human genetics. So what we do ultimately is blend the best of both worlds, you know, really come from a perspective of how can we use the latest in scientific evidence and medicine to really give great, um, you know, foundation to everything else that we can do to take charge of optimising one's fertility. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much how we focus, you know, our attention when we're treating patients. I love that combination of the natural aspects, but also that, um, I guess, scientific uh, credentials that you have as well. So many of our listeners have been trying to conceive for quite a while now. Some of us are at fertility clinics. Some of us have yet to get there. Uh, and really, I wanted to talk today about what people can do to help them get pregnant sooner if it's just not happening for them. Um, so to give you an example, let's say I'm 35, I exercise two times a week, I eat a paleo diet and I take a prenatal supplement. For some of our audience, that's more than what they do. Um, but let's say that's me. And on the outside, that seems pretty healthy. But 
sometimes I think when people are trying desperately to fall pregnant, there's a little bit more to it, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a really interesting question, that, because there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot that can be missed, you know, when, when I'm answering a question like that. And so I'll give you a little bit of, of background and context. I think that's um, going to be a good way for us to go about this. I, I see and I hear so many of my patients come to me and they're, you know, beside themselves, pulling their hairs out, out, you know, hair out of their heads, going, you know, I do all the right things and my neighbour, my sister, my auntie, my grandmother, whoever, right? They do all the, right, the wrong things. They drink, they smoke, they take drugs and they're falling pregnant left, right and centre. And we right? those people just a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely, especially when they say, oh, you don't have to do any of those things. I felt pregnant, you know, the first time I tried. Yes. You just go, okay, where do I shoot you, right? Yes. <laughs> but um, ultimately, um, it's what I've come, uh, I've come to term that the heroin addict syndrome, right? It's, it's that person who basically does all the wrong things and gets pregnant. And I did that because, you know, one of my patients was in tears, literally in tears in my office one time. And she's telling me, you know, like, I, I really, I truly, I, I do more than what you've just described, you know, uh, Robin, on, on telling me that kind of, like, your case person. And, you know, still I'm not pregnant and, and I've got to, you know, do, keep doing these things and, and nothing's working. Now, what's interesting about that is that it comes to, the, what it comes down to ultimately is epigenetics. Right. Epigenetics is a field of science that, that studies how the environment impacts our bodies and, and the way that our bodies operate. So we've all heard of someone who has never smoked a day in their life and died of lung cancer and another person who's a chain smoker who lives to a ripe old age of 85 yeah. right, or 90 or whatever. Right, and, and ultimately, we know that that's not healthy. We know that that's not right. But they were healthy up until they dropped dead, right? Yeah. And you kind of go, well, hang on a second. There's something to that. So really, some people, some people's sensibilities or vulnerabilities are in their digestive system. Others, it could be their lungs. Others, it could be their brain or, you know, their muscles or whatever, you name it, right? For some, it's reproductive function. Okay, yeah. or the reproductive system. And so when we look at a situation as an overview of looking at someone that is doing, quote unquote, all the wrong things and they're falling pregnant, you can be sure that if you were to question deeper, you would find that there are many other areas of their health that are not working very well. It just so happens that reproduction isn't one of those areas. Yeah. Okay. And the opposite is also true. What happens is that for somebody who, you know, they might be healthy and well and, and fit and all of that uh, and they're not having the success that they would like in terms of having a baby, it could so be that that area needs optimising. Now, it's, again, even that is a simplistic answer because there are many different things that will get in the way, right? And I, li and I like to talk about this in terms of minor factors because minor factors give us a good context of understanding what's going on. Let me give you an example. Right? A couple at peak fertility, right? so let's just pick a couple at peak fertility, has a 20% chance of conception in any given month. Okay? That's just the average person at peak fertility out there in the world. And they have an average time to pregnancy of three months. Okay? Yep. That's what it looks like for the general population out there who's trying to get pregnant and are in that kind of peak. Zone. 
Yeah. Then let's say that we add a minor factor to that. And a minor factor can be anything from, you know, the thyroid not working as well as it could be or, you, you know, a person has PCOS or the, the motility of sperm isn't quite as good as it could be or the count is a problem or they have blood irregularities and insulin resistance or, you know, you name it. There can be any one of those factors that uh, could be getting in the way, okay? But if we were just to pick one of those, let's just say that it's irregular ovulation, okay? Yeah. Just as a matter of fact. Now, all of a sudden, that couple who had a 20% chance of conception in any given month and an average time, three months time to pregnancy, with one minor factor, they drop from a 20% success rate to a 5% success rate in any yeah. given month. And an average time to pregnancy that increases from three months to two years. Yeah. Okay. Really so it almost... Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, it really highlights as well, as you're talking, the need for people to get proper testing done uh, as well. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And that's very much, you know, we focus so much there because we know that there are so many things that either don't get tested by their general doctors or doctors have done some testing, it will come back with some irregularities or abnormalities and they're told, oh, everything's okay, should be okay, don't worry about it, right? And yet I've seen couples or I've seen women come to me, bring me their results and, and their thyroid function, for example, you know, which should be, their TSH should be at around 1, is at 4.2, and the doctors are saying, oh, it's okay, it's within range, yeah. which is the top of the range is 5. It's not, it's actually not fine for fertility at all. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. But let's, let's come back to the example, which basically, you know, one minor factor is enough to give us a two-year average time to pregnancy. Now, if we add an extra minor factor to that... Right. All of a sudden, we go from a 5% success rate to a 1% success rate. And an average time to pregnancy that now increased from two years to seven years. Yeah. Okay. Which is huge. I mean, if you think about it, wow, how many people, you know, have seven years to get pregnant? Uh, Yet, yeah. the, the, the kinds of patients that we see, typically we see patients who have been trying to conceive for more than two years or have three or more minor factors that are getting in the way. And for those couples, you know, often they have those two things combined. They have the minor factors plus the length of time for pregnancy. But if yeah. we added one third minor factor to that picture, to that equation, we go from a 5% uh, for a 1% success rate to a 0.2% success rate and an average time to pregnancy that increases from 7 to 40 years. Oh. Now, one thing which is for sure, right, no one has 40 years to get pregnant. No one. Yeah. Right? you're going to start at birth, which is crazy. So the reality is that it really compounds itself. So when, when we look at, you know, that picture that you gave me, someone who's 35, exercises two days a week, you know, has a healthy, regular, relatively healthy diet and, and takes, you know, a supplement, yeah. that is just not going to be enough if you're having problems. Yeah. Right? If you have passed the... 12 month mark, you need to kind of start to look at, okay, what's going on? You pass two years, you can be sure that there's something that's not right. And often, my experience and what I see, there are many different things that are not going right. So the great thing about, um, you know, when we first start trying to conceive, and there's different things that you would do at different times, right? So for somebody who has just started trying to conceive, it's going to be a bit of overkill to go and, you know, I mean, mind you, 
some of my patients, which I love, are very proactive and they want to make sure that they do these things to enhance their health and the health of their prospective child, which is wonderful. And I highly recommend, you know, being yeah. the absolute healthiest that you'd ever be um, from the outset because, you know, why not? You're going to end up with a healthier child. Um, however, you know, what it comes down to is that if you have been doing all the right things and still you're not pregnant at the two-year mark, you need deeper understanding as to what's going on and what's getting in the way. So... I always, no matter how long a couple has been trying, I will always tell them to do one thing and one thing very specifically, which is to act pregnant now, to get pregnant and take a home, uh, you know, take a baby home later, right? Because ultimately, let's think about it from this perspective. If you were pregnant right this second, right? Most people, most people, no matter how uneducated they may be, knows that they have to be healthy when they're pregnant or that they're best, you know, to be healthy or do better things for themselves and their bodies when they, when they are pregnant. Most people, I'm not saying every person, but yeah. most people have a concept that, you know, you want to do the best that you can for your developing child, right? So if you have that kind of level of self-concept, then, and mind you, I imagine that if you're listening to this podcast, you absolutely do. Right, because you wouldn't be seeking information and wanting to do things um, better if you didn't have that, that level of understanding. So, would that be fair, Robin? Yep. Yeah, cool. So, you know, for, for the people listening in, if you already know that you're pregnant right now, uh, what are the things that you would start doing or you would stop doing if you had that got that, you know, big fat pregnancy test in, in front of you going, yep, it's positive, right? What is it that I need to do now? And that, that be a guiding light to the things that are going to help you on your way, right? So if you're going to eat, obviously if you're pregnant right now, you would eat healthily, you would exercise, you would make sure, you know, you would do at least walking, you would make sure that you are, you know, putting in your body only the best of things, you would stop doing things like smoking, drinking, taking drugs, etc. Right? So those are the things that you really need to consider. If you and mind you, I truly believe that couples need to start doing that from the second they decide, even before they actually decide to start trying to have a baby. Because it's in doing that they are optimizing their chances of conception. And mind you, it does have to be both prospective parents doing that. Right, just one partner is is only is, you're only giving it yourself a fifty percent chance. So when it comes to optimizing fertility, it is so much a team effort. You know, it is so much a team sport. It's still it's less these days. You know, when I started doing this almost twenty years ago, there used to be this very clear distinction between you know pregnancy is a female thing. And it's the woman that has to go into these things and the men doesn't really have to. Now we understand much better the fact that it is very much a team sport. It is two partners that need to do this, this um, optimization of health prior to, um, to having a baby. And that that is going to not only increase the chances of creating a healthy child, but it's also going to decrease the risk of miscarriage. We know that 50% of miscarriages happen as a result of sperm not being at the health of the level that it needs to be, right? So if we understand those things, we then start to work towards them. And of course, you know, as you've mentioned before, testing is 
be incredibly important because if we're not one doing the right testing and then having the right interpretations of those tests, you, you might as well just keep going around in circles with a blindfold on because you're yeah. going to get results, right? So what we do in our practice is we really look at, you know, the foundation, the seven-step fertile method that I've developed is really about understanding exactly what we need to find out. And it's fact-finding, it's educating, it's then recommending and treating exactly what needs to happen. You know, then we give that all uh, enough time to work. We're living our best life now in the process and, of course, we, we achieve the end result. And we do that based on the 11 pillars of fertility. Um, the 11 pillars of fertility is, is based on, on my work over the, the last almost 20 years where I've understood and started to under, you know, put together all of these things that are going to make a difference for a couple's situation. So I look at things like, you know, and a lot of times people talk about diet as if it's the only thing that they need to look at or do. Diet and exercise is one that people often go to. You know, and even though, yes, those are part of the 11 pillars of fertility, there is so much more. We need to make sure that the body's in alignment. We need to focus on the reproductive system for male and female. We need to work on, on the mental, emotional aspects that are getting in the way. Nutrients are going to be important, but the right types of nutrients. You know, there is nothing that I... Um, what's, I, I get very passionate about this um, topic. Why do I which is people self-prescribing, you know, like there is nothing worse. Like I was having a conversation with my husband the other day and, uh, and I said to him, you know, there's nothing worse than somebody going and buying a, a product, you know, on a website or in a health food store or whatever and thinking that because they're doing that, they're doing everything that they need to be doing. There is nothing further from the truth. You know, taking a, an even Primoz oil tablet is not going to kill it. Uh, you know, it's, it's actually not yeah. going to do it, right? It's not actually going to be the answer to someone's fertility problems, particularly if they're trying for over a year, sometimes over two years, yeah. right? Um, it's a bit like a recipe, isn't it? Absolutely, and, and there's so much to it, right? And it's getting the right things in, in place, but also getting the right things in order in place at the right time, right? So... It's about addressing and identifying all of the factors that are getting in the way because unless we do that, what's going to happen is that you're going to do something, you're going to think that you're doing the right thing, you're going to think that you're putting everything in place. You know, I hear this often. Couples come to me and they say, oh, you know, we've tried everything. And I'm like, well, actually, no, you haven't, right? Yeah. And I know you haven't because you haven't actually done half of the things that you needed to do. You know, we've got a fertility scorecard that we give people to, to complete and in that scorecard, it gives them a, a good understanding of where they're at in terms of their baseline. And, you know, the, the scores that we get for couples going through that process, often, gosh, they're so low. And they, they tell me they know what they should be doing, but they're not doing it. So that's the key takeaway. You know, if, if, if there's nothing else that you take away from this podcast today, it's exactly that. If you know it and you don't do it, you don't know it. Uh, you don't get any better results than somebody who basically doesn't know it. So implementation is key and implementing and not, the right things is key. And it's not necessarily people's fault. Like It's just that people, you know, we, there's some people, as you said, who there's the heroin addicts who just get pregnant straight away but then there's some of us who just need a bit of extra help and it's not our fault that we don't know, you know, that our requirements are so complex. Absolutely, because it is. It, it is a really, really complex 
situation. It's not, and you know, this is the thing that I get to see often, and and I hear people complain about all the time is that you know they wish that it was just simple. They wish that there was just a pill they could take and that they would just get pregnant. And the the challenge that we fall into in you know, new, in this kind of society that we live in is that we want gratification and we want it now, right? We want a quick, simple, you know, answer and we want it now. And even sometimes I see doctors falling into that trap. You know, they kind of just think, oh, yeah, just go to IVF, it's going to sort everything out. And, you know, when they, it, it doesn't and they've gone through one cycle and two and three and four and nothing else is coming up and nothing else is being you know, kind of uh, talked about or, or looked at as, uh, for answers, they start to say, oh, don't worry, it's a numbers game. Just keep going, it's a numbers game, you know, keep going. And it's like, well, actually, that's not a good enough explanation, right, of one, what needs to be done and two, what's actually going to help in this situation. So you're right. Um, people, you know, unfortunately think that it's going to be a straightforward solution. We, we wish and I, you know, it would be wonderful if it could be. Um, but if I guess if you go into the situation thinking and expecting it to be easy, you're going to be a lot, you know, more disappointed, and it's, you're going to give up a lot sooner than if you just know and that it's not easy and it's not simple, and that there is more to it, and you have to keep searching, and and you have to leave no stone unturned. Right? This is what we do with our patients all the time, and we really want to make sure that we absolutely are clear that no matter what happens, we're never looking back on one's life and going, oh, if only we had or we should have and we didn't. You know, we know that we've done everything we possibly could, that if it hasn't happened, it wasn't because we didn't do our best. You know, that's, the, that's a key distinction and I think that's so important because we all know what our best really is and our best will vary, you know, it will vary and it will depend on different times of the day, of the month, of how we're feeling or whether we're sick or whether we're healthy, you know, it's going to vary. But if at every moment you're doing your best and you're doing your best across time, then guess what? You can never look back and you know, put fault uh, with what you've done or what you've attempted or the fact that you've given it your all. Right? And I think that a lot of times people just want to you know, know that they've given it their all, they've done their, their best and that they, you know, that, they, um, that they can live with that no matter what the outcome is. So we talked... Um the other day over Skype, and while you were just talking about quick fixes, it reminded me of, we have a lot of women in our Fertility Warriors Facebook support and chat group um, who are obese, um, and that could be caused by PCOS or something like that, but they've been told they know that they need to lose weight in order to improve their fertility. Uh, but there's all these shakes out there, and they seem like a quick fix, but can you talk to us a little bit about why these shakes quite possibly aren't a quick fix? <laughs> yes, hashtag face palm, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a challenging one, that, because um, I can see the lure, you know, of wanting a quick fix and wanting a shake or a magic pill or a magic bullet to do the thing, you know? Um, but often it's going to actually make the situation worse. What happens often, and mind you, weight is absolutely a factor, right? If your BMI is over 35, you are absolutely decidedly decreasing your chances of conception. 
And as hard as it may be, to, and in fact, sometimes even over 30, right? As hard as it may be, the reality is that losing weight is going to make a dramatic difference to fertility. And there is no doubt about that. You know, I've created a program for our patients in the clinic, and this is just an in-house program. We, I, we don't have it available anywhere else. But the patients who do our program, they have the Lean and More Fertile You program. And yeah. as a result of doing that, I've compiled a whole lot of information, you know, on the impact of obesity and weight on ovulation, on the ability to conceive, on the ability of keeping a pregnancy to term, and all the research, the scientific research in all the studies say the same thing. If you are obese, if you are overweight, your chances of conception with your own eggs and even with donor egg is going to be dramatically decreased. If not, you know, kind of down to a zero, right? So ultimately, it's key. And so with that, I know and I can see where the lure of those shakes and, and quick fixes come in. You know, some people even... Uh, will resort to um, gastric bands and all sorts of things, which, mind you, is another incredibly um, detrimental thing to opt for if you can help yeah. it because yeah. you're going to be impacting your ability to absorb nutrients, to have nutrients uh, in your body which are important for egg quality, which are important for you know the development of a healthy baby and so on. So the key really isn't to put a Band-Aid on it. The key is to address it from a, a, a fundamental place. And what I feel is really important uh, for couples in this situation is that we all know really, really we know what to do, how to eat, how to, you know, um, how we should live in order to be at an ideal weight. Deep down we know, right? Yeah. What happens is we feel uh, powerless in doing that and in doing that consistently. Okay, so one of the things that I find um, super simple and super easy is really to kind of just base your meals on your vegetables and protein, really, yeah. as much as possible. So that you, you're feeling, you're, you're, there are you know, three different types of hunger. There's physical hunger, there is mental hunger and emotional hunger, and then there is basically hunger that disguises as, as well, that is thirst disguised as hunger. Right, And so if we know those things, if we know that we need to address the physical hunger by eating well, the rest is really just going to be something else that's not actually hunger. Right? And then we've actually got to figure out, okay, what is it that is causing this emotional pull towards food and towards you know, indulging and eating because often it's a connection issue. It's, the, it's wanting to, you know, there is certainty associated with, you know, when you eat or overeat, you know how you're going to feel. There is that little rush that you get from, you know, eating something that is kind of a treat. There's, uh, there's, there's connection with self and, you know, there's that whole aspect of taking care of ourselves and treating ourselves so there's love associated with it. There's a whole lot of things that go this conversation unfortunately again it's not a simple conversation um, and in saying that it's one that needs to be handled right the reality is that shakes never going to be a good option right if anything um, you, you you know if, a, if somebody wanted to use fasting intermittent fasting is definitely something that um, has been also shown by the scientific research 
to be a positive uh, thing in in addressing uh, obesity as well as cardiovascular risk and diabetes and blood sugar regulation, insulin resistance, you know, the whole leptin and ghrelin situation. So intermittent fasting is and could be a good option. It's never going to work if the emotional component of why someone eats or overeats is not addressed, right? And that is really such a key and important thing to consider. So there's a fantastic book, actually, I recommend on this topic. It's called A Course in Weight Loss by Marianne Williamson. And... uh, and it's a great to address those other less than talked about topics that uh, come along with, you know, wanting to, to lose weight and, and, and arrive at, a, at an ideal weight as best as possible. So that's a, a really great book to look up. And what do you think, uh, like, so what do you think are some of the pitfalls of shakes? So for me, I, you know, one of the things I always think about some of these shakes is that if you look at the ingredients of them, like a lot of them are very high in sugar, but they're also so high in like synthetic stuff that's been made yeah. in a yeah. lab. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and I think the pitfalls you've mentioned it. You know, they're, they're, it's just not real food, right? And yeah. ultimately, it's full of additives that our body has to process somehow. And generally, these additives will negatively impact thyroid function. It will negatively impact egg quality, sperm quality. You know, you name it. So, and it will just generally impact health negatively so there's the blood sugar irregularities that goes along with you know having highly sugary you know high sugar type drinks and then yeah. not that up by things that will sustain blood sugar levels and just the, the sheer amount of rubbish that's in it you know it's it's just yeah it's just not healthy at all the colorings the additives and the you know sweeteners and everything else it's just not <laughs> Absolutely, it's a, you know, um, it, it's a chemical, as, as they say, S H I T storm. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it is what it is, but it's, it's definitely not something that I recommend. So when we look at the, a diet for fertility, you mentioned uh, to look at your plate as protein and vegetables. There really is a bit of a science. There is a diet that has been shown to promote fertility, hasn't there? Yes, there is. There are, there are many, really, you know, yeah. over the years. The Harvard has come up with uh, one that basically talks about, you know, eating um, whole fat dairy and all sorts of things. I actually go against that. And, yeah, um, I go against that altogether. And I really believe that in order to optimise fertility from a dietary perspective, you need to be basing your meals on vegetables and protein and you need to be avoiding gluten and dairy because yeah, the allergy of those foods really does make a huge difference to you know, how the body is able to process uh, hormones, how the, baby, the body is able to uh, manufacture hormones, but also the allergenic component of dairy and gluten can really be quite um, detrimental to the ability not only to conceive but to keep a healthy pregnancy to term. Uh, particularly when we're dealing with immuno- other immunological aspects like natural killer cells or, you know, other kind of miscarriage antibodies and so on. So I really just have the belief that, you know, people who are trying to overcome fertility challenges need to really be on a very healthy, um, dairy-free and gluten-free diet. Yep, and I did that as... I um, 
was gluten and dairy for a, was gluten and dairy free for a very long time, uh, and it re- like it really makes you feel a hundred times mm. um, better, you know, mm. when you're doing that, um, and especially for fertility. I, that's what I did on my fertility journey, and I used to eat. I used to eat dairy probably three times a day. I thought there's no way on earth that I could give up dairy, but then you know I was like, well, what do I want more? Do I want a baby or do I want some cheese <laughs> for dessert? And I did it. It wasn't that hard, and um, committed to it. And I think when it comes to dietary changes, sometimes we just need to say, look, I'm just going to go the whole hog and you know really focus on what I need to be eating to improve my fertility. Yeah, you know, and I think that you've hit the nail on the head there, you know, and I think also this is another thing that I've found from my, through my own experience and also the experience of my patients is that usually the, the going around in your head to make the decision to do something like, you know, quit sugar or dairy or whatever is infinitely harder than actually going and doing the thing. Yeah. You know, that you make a decision that I am now the person who does not eat these foods is the yeah. second that you just go, it's like a switch, right? And you just go, you know what? It is what it is. I'm not, it, uh, this is just who I am, right? And, and I think self-image plays a huge role in making lifestyle changes. I really do believe that. Um, I always talk in terms of books. So another one that I would highly recommend is The New Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. It's a fantastic book that really looks at, you know, um, self-image and how we show up in the world as a result of who we believe we, we truly are, you know, and, uh, and that makes a huge difference to the, the, from the food that we choose to the things that we do to the people we interact with to, you know, things that we uh, put in place and in, in our lives to optimise fertility. So, yeah, highly recommend that one as well. But you're right. You're absolutely right. It's, um, I think that making the decision is infinite, like, infinitely harder than having made the decision and then just following through. So, um, diet aside, so we've kind of spoken a little bit about diet, um, but I know that there are, like we were talking at the beginning, it's a recipe that you can't just look at diet and exercise. What are some of the other sort of elements or areas that people need to make sure they're nailing? Mm, It's a really good question and it's a really individual question. You know, um, and it depends so much on... A person where they are at right now, it depends on whether they are, um, what else they've tried, what their history is, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot of things that go into it. So it's hard to be able to give it like a, you know, one size fits all type um, answer. Um, what I can say is that, again, if we go back to the foundation, if we go back to the principle of you know, you know yourself best. If you were pregnant right now, what would you be doing in order to optimise yeah. the health of that child that you are carrying right now? Right? And in have- every way. And that's really what I would say. Like, that's what people need to nail. It's what, the, what is that thing or things for them? Absolutely. And you have, um, I think you have uh, an 11, 11 pillars of fertility as well that you focus on? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the 11 pillars of fertility are, are vital. You know, so we, we talk about the diet and fluid balance and we, of course, talk about exercise and sleep quality and re- reducing stress. You know, we, we also 
do for our patients in-house, we obviously are really focusing on making sure that their nutritional supplementation is right and the environmental uh, impact of their personal environment is reduced uh, in their situation. We talk about the whole body aligned, right, and really figuring out what are the things that are going to make a huge difference for that particular person. So figuring out whatever is going to cause misalignment in the body or dis-ease in any way, right, and then addressing that. And then, of course, we really focus on male and female reproductive function, whereas, you know, sometimes when we just go for the science side of things, we're only focusing on that. We, there's, there's a whole lot more to the foundation. So we are focusing on that as a part of everything else. And then, of course, you know, mind over matter, looking at how can we use the mind to optimise the body and to optimise the chances of conception and to optimise how every aspect of every cell operates and works and so on. And then, you know, the other part of the 11 pillars is, is looking at family foundations because I'm a true believer that, you know, I do what I do. I love the babies. I absolutely love the babies. And at the same time, I believe that the babies come from two very healthy and well-balanced and nurtured prospective parents, right? So if we can um, do more of that, which is to create people that are healthier and well-balanced in every aspect, um, we're creating healthier and, and better families for the long term, right? So the whole process that we take our patients through is in that process of education of how can we make this be the best thing for a couple and therefore you know, for individuals first and foremost, then for a couple in their relationship and then obviously for them once they welcome that little baby into their world um, as a family. So that's an important part of the foundations that we focus on. Oh. I could pick your brain probably for the next six hours on this podcast and I think if we went into all of your 11 pillars in detail, it probably would end up being uh, about six hours long. So, um, It could be so more. Have, <laughs> so let's say that we have audience members here. They might be doing IVF or they're not doing IVF just yet. The biological clock is ticking. They want to know more from you, um, uh, you know, like about some of these 11 pillars and things like that, um, you run a free challenge, don't you? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the 14, it's called the 14-Day Fertility Challenge. And that is absolutely what I would recommend that people, you know, go on to and do. It's, it's two weeks of incredible inspiration and education live um, over a 14-day period, you know, and... It's really all about ensuring that we get people to be focused on what's going to make a difference, you know, on their, in their particular situation. Obviously, the principles that I share are all based on the 11 pillars of fertility. It's based on my fertile method, you know, and, and really making sure that we give people the understanding that they need to know, okay, what else is there in my specific situation. So, yeah, absolutely, highly recommend. You know, it's a free challenge, so anyone who wants to join, come on board. And we'll make sure that we, we'll make sure that we link to that challenge in the podcast notes as well as we'll provide a link to those two books that you recommend. But that's really, if somebody, after listening to this podcast, wanted to know a little bit more about what more 
can I be doing to help myself get pregnant or to support myself on this journey, then that's the starting point, I guess, for really what yep. they can do to Absolutely. find things out. Absolutely, that's a great starting point. You know, like um, they obviously can go onto my website as well. But it, you know, the fourteen day challenge, and on the website there's a there's a so much information. You know, there's an incredible blog uh, that we've spent many many years building. So there's a lot of information in there, as well as you know, obviously the the challenge is is the number one place that I would recommend people to go. And when does your next challenge start? The next one starts on the 8th of January 2017, so we're just four weeks away. Cool. Um, So that's awesome. So as I said, we'll link uh, to all of those things. Gabriella, did you have any other um, messages or words of advice for the women out there who are struggling to conceive at this point in time? The only thing that I want people to know is that you, you have the power to change your circumstances and only you have the power to change your circumstances and go and do it. You know, go and do it. Give it your all because ultimately you will never regret giving it your all. That's fantastic advice. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Oh, I just love hearing from experts um, with their advice, what they suggest. They've been there, they've done that, they know what to do. Uh, so I think that was a really great podcast and I hope you do too. We're probably going to have uh, a few weeks at the very least of podcasts that are just me uh, again and then we might look at getting on some other guests and we might include some other fertility warriors if you'd like to share your story, if you'd like to just reach out for me uh, to me for a chat uh, or anything like that, feel free to always email me. I'm at robin at moderndaymisses.com. Uh, but as you can see, some wonderful tips and uh, hints and suggestions there from Gabriella. Uh, and as mentioned at the beginning of the podcast and during the podcast, she has a free 14-day challenge. The next one launches on the 7th of January. So something to possibly check out and sign up to. As I said, I'll be signing up to it as well because I want to um, hear some of the gold in that um, 14 day challenge and you can find the show notes with the link and everything on the modern day misses website so you can look just on the home page or you can look in the podcast tab and I've also got heaps of articles and things like that on the blog as well or you can check out Gabriella at natural fertility breakthrough uh, that's all from me today uh, see you later